Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are here as usual to look back at the final weekend of the longest Six Nations ever. And we're brought to you this week by Beer 52. It's award season at Beer 52 HQ. And this month they're sending out a case of their highest rated beers over the last 12 months as voted by their 150,000 members. So basically it's the best of the best. If you've been on the fence about trying it, now is the time. Each case also comes with an award-winning beer magazine, as well as some snacks. There you go, Goody. What's in the magazine, though? What kind of magazine? Goody, you like mag- you liked, back in the day, magazines, mags, and snacks. Just snacks for me now. Can't read. Well, mate, it wasn't, it wasn't the words, <laughs> mate. It was the, it was the pictures. There's no minimum commitment. You can just take the free case, try the beers and see what you think. And if it's not for you, you can pause or cancel at any time. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash rugby and cover the postage. That's the word beer followed by the number 52.com forward slash rugby to get your first case of eight beers for free. And you'll be supporting the rugby pod as well by doing so. Well, looking at the beers and it's award season. The best beers, they're only going to be English beers, aren't they, boys? Hey, only going to be English beers. Now we're champions again. I'll tell you what, though, before we talk about that, Goody, I don't know whether you saw me on Premier Sports on Monday night, last night, recording on Tuesday. Mate, Glasgow playing Leinster. I got Haskelled, mate, before the game. I got um, skibby dibby dub 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 bub 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 Mate, I lost it. I said something that I swore I'd never do. I lost it on live TV. I should have had a couple of Beer 52 Settlers before I went on there, mate, just to, just to calm the cobbles, mate. You know when you get the producer in your ear? I'm talking about a bit of play around the Glasgow's box-kicking game. Just go, just delving deep into the archives of knowledge to deliver to the millions. Who are you? I, actually, I don't know. I'm Jean <laughs> Valjean! This isn't the gym that I know. I've got a moustache, mate, so I just felt like I had to deliver something different. And anyway, I didn't. It was an absolute shit show. I got spoken in the ear by fault or design by the producer, and I went off like Haskell did that time on Sky Sports. Goody, how was your week, mate? Hey, Goody's got an edge on him today. Look, something ain't right. Something ain't right with him today. Something's happened. What's happened? No, nothing. Nothing. It's just what I'm trying to think now. We're recording on a different day, so it's thrown out the the schedule a little bit. You know, I'm working hard. I'm playing golf. Um, golf courses are closing, so I'm devastated. But we're moving into another lockdown, lads, aren't we? Not in Scotland, we're not, mate. Oh, you, oh you're up in Scotland again, are you? Scotland, we're not, mate. <laughs> hey, don't take it out of me. Don't get all arsy because things are different up here, mate. No, we're we're all good. So we're moving into another lockdown. But luckily, what I can say is the nanny can still come every day to work at the minute because mate, childcare is essential. Essential, essential yeah. mate. It is essential. So uh, yeah, we, I mean it's it's tough times, isn't it, for a lot of people? A lot of the unknowns going into lockdown. Restaurants are closed, but they can do takeaway. So luckily, the local kebab house is still open. But pubs, boozers, golf courses, all the other things I like, they're all closed. Will we be helping out to eat out, but don't eat out, but eat out, but don't? Mate, who knows? I'll be taking. I'll be getting takeaways still. So don't you worry about that. Mixed Donner and uh, chicken shish kebab. How good? How good? So what else have you been up to this week, boys? Well, it's Halloween, trick or treating. I mean, my word, who invented that? At what point did someone say, getting dressed up's fine, knocking around a few houses, and it's very different this year, obviously, because you can't knock on doors. So people are leaving buckets of sweets out. What do you think JJ's doing? He's got dad's rucksack, and he's pouring the boxes into the rucksack. <laughs> he's just taking everything. Mate, he's taking everything, mate. But like, hey, and I didn't tell him he couldn't. I obviously told him after, but what are you meant to do with all them sweets? Mate, it's pretty simple. We didn't even put any out because I'm like, there's no kids coming. I might as well just sit and eat these myself. Just forward them on next day delivery. It'll keep me happy during lockdown. I'll put some timber back on. But mate, just eat away. It's the happy time. Tell the behaviour that they're screaming. You don't let the kids have it. You just keep it for yourself. Well, you try and tell them that. You try and take <laughs> take some sweets off the kids, mate. So we're all in fantasy. I, I looked incredible, by the way. Yeah, what'd you um, dress up as? Well, I just painted my face white and Beck asked if she'd call me a different name, which is a bit weird, like, because I've got this moustache and she's like, can I call you something else? I'm like, what, do you not want to be with with Jim the Legend anymore? And she's like, she kind of paused. So I genuinely think that she, like, I don't know whether it's role play or what's going on in our house, but she, she wants me to call myself something else. And what was something else? Like Pindick? I said, I said Steve. Steve, okay. 
Yeah. And that's, that's her choice or your choice? Well, she weren't really feeling it. She was thinking more like a Nathaniel or something. So something <laughs> a bit more intelligent. So, um, anyway, that, that all happened around Halloween and me shaving my beard off and keeping the tash. And has that carried on now or is it just for trick-or-treating when she wanted to call you something different? I'll be honest, I ain't seen her, mate. I ain't seen her, so I'll let you know. I'll get some manscapes into me and uh, I will say that I am Nathanderthal. You boys used to dress up quite a bit when you, back in your playing days, didn't you? Mate, I loved, love, still love fancy dress. I, there's nothing better for me than getting dressed up and looking unbelievable and being inconspicuous. Do you remember, Goody, we had that fancy dress at Leicester um, and there's a few stories that come out of it. I remember Ollie Richardson, who uh, has done the rounds as a strength and conditioner coach. He jumped into the canal. I don't know if you remember, James Black was dressed as a condom. And yep. I came I came as the gorilla from the dairy milk advert. So I've got a drum and I'm going round this pub. Boom, 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 boom. And I, yeah, you can't say that word. But I, I mean, back in the day, you could. And I remember Boris Stankovic, who is no longer the Leicester coach, he's left, uh, came as Shrek. And a big fight kicked off amongst lads because that, that's what we did at Leicester. And I remember one of the young lads coming in. He had, he had like, he was nearly in tears. A big fight kicked off. And he had, he didn't have any green face paint on. But after the fight, he had green face paint all over his face. So I don't know what Boris had done to him when the fight had kicked off. But that's what we did in Leicester. It was just fancy dress, mate, all the time. And I miss them days. I miss people. Manscaped are supporting us again this week and they're the very best in below-the-waist grooming so they couldn't really be a better fit for us and they're offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. If you haven't tried it, believe me, it's an absolute game-changer. And look, I'm reading that out loud, right, because it's almost like the tagline, but I've got to be honest, it's been a while. I'm a bit worried. We're going into winter, so... We'll find out. I'll let you know. I'll let you know in a couple of weeks how it's going. Mate, going into lockdown, you need to manscape. It's so smooth. It's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. And I've never felt even the slightest nick on the old nuts. No, but <laughs> I've seen Goody's nuts and they are some size. <laughs> Genuinely. Just head to manscaped.com and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code RugbyPod. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code RugbyPod. Your balls will thank you. Well, should we look at the rugby now? England are Six Nations champions again, aren't they, Goody? Is it the third time in, in five years under Eddie Jones? Yes, it is. And it's obviously the weirdest Six Nations ever. Um, the massive delay, the fact that stadium are empty again. And you're looking at games now, and it was kind of all right when you were trying to squeeze in the rest of the premiership season and some of the games like that. But when just international rugby kicks off and you see an empty stadiums, how shit is it? Yeah, it's... Uh... Mate, it is. Like, there's no getting away from it. Like, the anthems and that, how weird must it be? And I was there for the Scotland-Georgia game, so I was pitch side for that. And you've got a couple of guys making their debuts and stuff. It's so tough, isn't it? And, it, it, and you look at it and you go, the actual rugby across the weekend wasn't great. England are champions, of course we are. Um, we bounced back from that round one spanking down in France that wasn't a spanking. Um, because it was pretty crucial that we got the bonus point in the end. But, uh, you know, it was underwhelming, the performance is over the weekend. England kicked a lot of ball away. You know, just imagine being Ben Youngs right now. And I just w- I watched it when he's running out for his 100th cap. Imagine if that was at a packed-out Stadio Olimpico, whether you're an Italian fan or there'd be loads of English fans over there, and you're running out for your 100th cap. And it was just so weird, because obviously they come up the stairs there, don't they? And he's running out. He didn't know, he had no one to look at. No, not he can't even wave to the crowd. Can't even do anything. It was just this is so fucking awkward. Maximus Decimus Aurelius. That's yeah. He's probably looking for him. Yeah, and in reality, you know, that's the way the games went. There was no atmosphere clearly because there was no one in the in the stadiums, and the games weren't the best. Actually, the best game was was France Scotland. Ireland. Oh. Mate, the Scotland game. I don't even. That's not even worth talking about. That game. What do, you, what do you mean? It's not worth talking about, mate. Apart from it's Scotland's first win in Wales in the Six Nations since two thousand and two. And what? And you still finished fourth. How about that one, Jim? Well, <laughs> mate, it doesn't matter, mate. We beat Wales, mate. That's all. And like, <laughs> I, I predicted it, so I'm happy. But yeah, I mean, rugby-wise, England job done. It was. England's performance, they just kicked so much possession away. Um, and it was clearly a tactic. And I just sit there and I think, are the players completely ingrained in whatever Eddie says they do? Is there a license to change things? Look, you, you see the back three hardly counter-attack, did they? A lot of it was just kick, 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 kick and wait for a mistake, which I understand is clearly a tactic and a game plan that you you employ at the start of a game and, and see how things develop. But, you know, it was job done. We got the bonus point. Um, it wasn't a particularly great game to watch and we we put pressure on Ireland. 
to to go and win by seven points or more, and they absolutely capitulated, didn't they? Just going back to your point on the the caps, and again thinking about this and watching it unfold, and listening to Alan Wynne Jones after the game. I actually feel more sorry for the guys that are making their first cap. I, yeah. know that I know there's milestones of 50, which is amazing, 100, which is phenomenal, 149, which is unthinkable. But these lads who are at that point, like Youngsy, for example, it's amazing to get 100 caps, but he's had them experiences of the massive highs, winning Grand Slams, playing in big games, his first cap, his 50th cap. These lads... You know, you don't know whether that you know whether they'll get another cap. You know what I mean? That 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 initial feeling of winning the cap for Ollie Lawrence, Tom Dunn. We saw the videos going viral, viral after the match. They're the ones that I feel the most sorry for. I know there's a load of other stuff out with sport going on, right? So this is us specifically talking about rugby and their moments. Is I, I think we spoke about it last week, or I've, I've I've spoken about it somewhere before. That first cap moment, not just for you, but for your family, for your coaches, for your teachers, for Anyone that's been involved in your career as a player, that I, I think you know, the first cap is the one that people speak about. And you know, for Youngsy, for example, making a hundred, it's absolutely phenomenal. What about Eddie Jones, mate? He's going to get hundred and fifty. What I mean, that's when you know that, you, mate, your coach likes you, eh? That, yeah. and, and this is the thing. And again, you, you're watching it, and you're like, doesn't matter what Youngsy does for Leicester. Clearly, mate, he's in as long as Eddie Jones is there. Youngsy's in for whatever yeah. reason, and he, he, you know, he, we I think we spoke about it last week, didn't we? Youngsy, he's a different player in an England shirt to what he is in a Leicester shirt. And if you're a Leicester smart, well, yeah, if you're a Leicester coach or you know a fan, you'd be like, why doesn't he play that like that for Leicester? And you know, it's not perhaps just symptomatic of him. And um, you know, Leicester have been through a tough time over the last few years. But Ben Youngs is a player that grows when he puts the England shirt on. You know, he scored a couple of tries, gets man of the match. He's the guy that tries to ignite a lot of pace around the game uh, for us. And, he, you know, he's he's playing, he's, he's confident in England shirt, probably because Eddie has backed him to the hill. Um, and like you said, Jim, there ain't ever a chance that Eddie's not picking him unless he's injured. So, um, yeah. And, you know, going back to the first cap thing that you talked about, Ollie Lawrence, we sat with his old man at a dinner a couple of years ago uh, in Worcester and his old man was talking about it. We spoke about it last week. That's the one, actually. Imagine being the dad and seeing your son get his first cap. Um, you know, I think back to my first cap, my old man, he always said to me, you know, the first time he wanted to go to Twickenham was to watch his, me play there. Um, you know, and obviously then that leads into playing for Leicester and all that stuff. But then your first cap, it's a memory that you have with your family for a long time, singing the anthem, you pick your parents out in the crowd and all that stuff. But Ollie Lawrence, Tom Dunn, the emotion would be there, would have been huge, but so, so disappointing for them that they can't have friends and family with them. What'd you make of the debutants? Johnny Hill was... I thought he played really well. He was probably a little bit nervous at one point. Yeah, mate. You know, you, know. you could say, you know, the yellow card was fair, but you're watching that and you've got a French TMO. And are you sat there being Johnny Hill thinking, I don't know the stat, would he be the first player ever to get sent off on debut for England? I'm sure it would be. And you sat there thinking, no, 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 please don't. Uh, no, 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 my name is uh, Roman Platt and I think it is a red card. He didn't say that, luckily. But, you know, that split second, he's trying to make a, a, you know an impact on a tackle and just gets it slightly wrong. Luckily for him, the player dipped in reality, so there was mitigating circumstances. But yeah, his heart would have been in his, well, people say mouth, but it's probably in his arse um, for a few minutes while they, they deliberated over what the sanction was going to be. Yeah, so for Johnny, it's probably a wake-up call a little bit because the semi-final against Bath, where he went into the breakdown, there was rumblings of that should have been a red card and, you know, how would it have looked for him around his England debut? Yeah, I, I was watching that one unfold as well. I was like, man, can you imagine? But i tell you what, it was quite... It weren't a great game, but Alf, mate, Italy, to be fair, <laughs> as we always say, first half they rocked up. Uh, they were quite physical. They wanted. It look like, looks like they wanted to have a scrap. In reality, though, watching the game and watching it back, that's all they had, and it's so frustrating. They, you know, I, I watched an exit play. They've got a line out about ten meters outside the twenty-two, and they've passed it back twenty yards to the ten to boot it about five yards past where the line out was from. I just think, you know, I sit there and watch a game, and they came with heart. You know, Pelledri carried well. They wanted to get in England's faces. There was. You know, they played a very limited game plan around let's not play any rugby on our own half. Let's just kick the leather off it and, and force a team to play from deep. 
but I just didn't see any threat from them. And, you know, the whole rumblings come back around. Do they deserve to be in the Six Nations? Is the, you know, they haven't won a game since GMU lost to them for Scotland, I think. Yeah, I, it, it was it was so dark. It was just a kick fest, both teams. You mentioned before about the, the kicking goody. Why do you think they were kicking so much? I think to start off with in, in the game, you know, it's an England principle, isn't it? You, you know, you talk about the great New Zealand sides and then stats come out around New Zealand used to kick it more than any other international team. And, you know, this is when they were dominating world rugby for a few years. Now, England obviously play that tactical game, whoever they play against. You go back to the Ireland game, the Six Nations, a truckload of kick in there. But I think you've got to be able to adapt um, and I don't think we adapted really throughout the game to trying to create attacking opportunities. I, I think we just got stuck in a rut of this is how we play, this is what we do. Keep beating that drum, keep knocking the door down around playing territory and mistakes will come. Yeah, I just it, it was just a bit dull, a bit of a anti-climax. But if you're Eddie Jones, do you care? Probably not. You've just won the third Six Nations title in five years and you know the job was to get the bonus point and set Ireland a target. The one thing that does, and you know, you'll never know the answer to this because ultimately Ireland lost to France, but you think back a week when Italy scored with the last play of the game and you talk about mindsets in a game, right? So Italy scored a try against Ireland, last play of the game. They then, Ireland watched England's game unfold and they knew they had to win by seven points. I'm pretty sure that they got stuck in between thinking, can we win by seven points? Do we need to get the four tries? Had it have just been a fact of they didn't concede that last try against Italy the week before and they only had to beat France because that was the way it would have panned out with the points difference they'd have played that game completely differently in France I think and that's the beauty of these bonus points that have been introduced into the Six Nations over the last few years you know you you saw them going to the corner when you know full well a Sexton-led Irish team would have just been kicking goals taking the points building scores and then you know the building blocks of a victory to get to that point and then ultimately because they were chasing what they thought was always going to be four tries to guarantee themselves the title, they end up having their pants pulled down a bit and France were bloody outstanding at times. What do you make of Johnny Sexton's reaction to getting replaced? I, I mean, what can you say? You can understand why as captain. I was trying to think of what other captains that happens to, right? That, where there's a player leading their team, must win game and gets taken off not pulled off I wouldn't say he got pulled off he got taken off so Sir Khaleesi never really plays 80 minutes he normally gets taken off at around 55-60 Dylan Hartley when he played for England as captain um, he used to get taken off I'm trying to think if there's any high profile players I think the issue is with Sexton is that it's a 10 you very rarely see you fly off getting taken off do you normally your fly half is the best player on the pitch. So if it's a must-win game, especially with Sexton. We saw what he did a couple of years ago in Paris, drop goal to win the game. Ireland, like Goody said, needed more than just to win the game. So I don't know. And, and this is why I asked Stevie last week. It wasn't me being out of order. Ireland need to have something in the back of their mind of what their team looks like without Johnny Sexton. It's life. It's not me being horrible. It is, it's a fact of life. Now, Ross Byrne, needs, you know, or Jack Carty, whoever comes in, or, you know, Madigan, if he gets back back into the squad at any point, these lads need an opportunity to get on there under complete pressure. Maybe Farrell thought it was un, unwinnable. I don't know. Or the fact that they weren't going to, they weren't going to get the, the points they needed to win the game. But his reaction, it's, it's a difficult one it, it, because you can look at it two ways. You can look at it, he's passionate, loves his team, or you can look at it that he's thrown his toys out of his pram because you know as a player, when you come off, the, the camera's going to be on you, especially if you're Johnny Sexton, you're captain. You know as soon as you get yanked off, whatever is in your thought process, in your mind, is that the cameras are going to be on me now. The camera's going to be on me because they know, one, I'm captain, I'm pissed off, or because I'm Johnny Sexton, whatever. And how you conduct yourself is going to be a reflection on you and your team. Yeah, well, he actually said, he, he did an interview and he said, what do you expect me to be? Really pleased I'm being hooked off? No. And it's kind of a way of showing his disappointment. To me, I looked at it and I thought, he's properly looking up at the coaches, shaking his head. You could see him look up, shake his head and, you know, look down and then look up again, shake his head, not happy. And, you know, he's the captain, he's the leader, you understand it. He is, and, you know, people that know him and and people that chat about him, he's the ultimate competitor, isn't he? You know, he wants to win at absolutely everything, whether it's a little training game, whether it's, you know, a test match, whether it's probably you know, a race up the stairs with his missus, whatever. That's the way he is. 
Um, so sometimes your emotions do spill over. People, like you said, Jim, people will look at it and go, it's petulant, it's the wrong thing to do. Other people will go, no, actually, I like that because he's fucking frustrated that he's being taken off. Ireland are losing the game. They had a chance to win the Six Nations and it hasn't manifested itself into a brilliant performance. But you need to be looking beyond just Johnny Sexton, beyond just Owen Farrell. It's the debate we had last week about Joe Simmons. And when you're debating that and the obvious couple of examples that I want to talk about, Sergio Parise. Now, I heard Sergio Parise talking about when he's going to play for Italy again for his swan song. So Italy are going to grant him that because it's Sergio Parise. Now, you wonder in what other team that, that would happen, right? So you, you have a look around. Alan Wynne-Jones, okay, that's the point that I want to get to. I'm kind of stuttering to get to this point. So Alan Wynne-Jones, 149 caps. Now, what is the thinking in Wales now? What is the thinking around the Lions? Is Alan Wynne-Jones going to go on the Lions tour because he's Alan Wynne-Jones? Or is Alan Wynne-Jones going to go on the Lions tour because he's the best of four second rows? And this is the conversation. It's around Sexton as well. Like he expects to play because he's Johnny Sexton. But at what point do you have to take the emotion out? Well, Andy Farrell's done that for whatever reason. Clearly, it wasn't spoken about for Johnny Sexton because he wouldn't have been pissed off. He would have been like, well, I kind of know that it's coming. You know, the same goes for Alan Wynne-Jones. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's going to go on the, the Lions tour. You're not picking him for the Lions tour then, Jim? In my, in my opinion, he's not in the best, best four-second rows. He's, he's not. I mean, I'd say, that jo- I'd say Johnny Hill's playing better than him. Across the board, in terms of where we stand now, is Alan Wynne-Jones in the top four second rows? Who are your four second rows? So Marrow, James Ryan. Yeah. Okay, for Ireland. Now, he's not in the form that he was, but in my opinion, he's still playing better than Alan Wynne-Jones. And what is better? So what, you know, what is better? It's carrying the ball. It's defensively. It's line out. Mate, there's no doubt about it that Alan Wynne-Jones is still a fantastic player. Like, he absolutely is. Why are you being horrible? Because he used to dominate you. Mate, he did used to dominate me, mate. Yeah, mate. I need him in the eye once and he didn't even flinch. And I always, I always broke my kneecap. But, like, I'll be honest, mate. More first, more ran into the more. I thought, who's this Alan Wynne-Jones? He's having it. Need him straight in the eye because you're allowed to do that then. And um, split his eye and he didn't even flinch and had a dead leg for the rest of the game. Um, so maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's what it is. Um, you know, Scott Cummins from Scotland. I don't care what you say, mate. mate he, you finished fourth, pal. You finished mate, fourth. Mate, we didn't, Wales finished fifth. So the position of it, like where you're going to go. So I've named four second rows there. So uh, Maratoji, James Ryan, Johnny Hill, and Scott Cummins. In my opinion, it, you know, is Alan Wynne-Jones the fifth or sixth? Well, this is up for debate. This is the thing. So my point comes back to, and I know that Alan Wynne-Jones, you listen to him speak, it's not about amassing 150, 160, whatever caps he could potentially get to. But Wales are in this tra- transition pe- period. Yeah, true. Is at what point do they say, you know, is, and I'm not saying now is the time, you know, it could be next year, but at some point, Alan Wynne Jones is going to need to make way because there needs to be an evolution for Wales and there needs to be a change of guard. And maybe it's, maybe it's me because as a player, there was no loyalty towards me. Look at how I got bombed out of the squad in 2015. Oh, coming back, But I'm it? watching it. But it's, and it all comes back to Sexton's thing. So Sexton's walking off the pitch like that. I'm like, if I ever did that, I don't think I would have got picked again. If I would have looked up and sh- shaken my head at the coaches. So why is he allowed to do that? Because he's the ultimate competitor. Like, why is Alan Wynne-Jones allowed to go on the Lions tour? Because he's, he's been a phenomenal player. So if Alan Wynne-Jones goes on the Lions tour... He's taking the place of a Scott Cummins or a Johnny Hill or someone that has never been on a Lions tour and it might be there, or a Johnny Gray. It might be their only opportunity to go. I love the fact that there's still, the romance hasn't died in rugby and there still is that around the Sergio Parise factor. Of course, I want to see him go out one last time. If he's 45, I'd still like to see it because it's Sergio Parise. But I'm talking about it on a level and trying to be quite neutral about it, looking forward uh, to the summer if the Lions tour goes ahead. I guarantee if Alan Wynne-Jones is fit and you're, you're saying he'll, he, you know, if he goes on the Lions tour, he's, he's taking a place of someone else. You've got to think about the coach, right? You've got to think about Warren Gatland, the experience that he has with Alan Wynne-Jones, the detail that Alan Wynne-Jones will bring to his own performances, his own, you know, the homework he does off the field, the leadership. Say you're naming the top four second rows there now. You're naming Mara Toji, James Ryan, Scott Cummins and Johnny Hill as, as the four best second rows, in your opinion, Jim. You're taking three guys with limited experience. James Ryan's got a fair bit, but Scott Cummins and Johnny Hill have got very limited international experience. So, Alan Jones, if he's fit, if I had a mortgage, I'd put it on that he's going. But I agree with you. 
I think he will go, and I understand the reasons why, and, and deservedly the, and, as well. And the and the well, what's to, but it comes down to really you need to take the best players. And what Warren Gatlin speaks about winners, mate. Wales are fifth. I don't want to be horrible. They're not the team that they were for whatever reason. They're not the team that they were. It comes down to the point of the romance side of it. Or if I'm a player, does Johnny Hill expect to go on the lines? No, he doesn't. Obviously, he wants to go. Does he expect he'll go? No. Does he think that Alan Wynne-Jones will go in front of him? Yeah, of course he does. It's Alan Wynne-Jones. Yeah. I'm talking about the simple fact of ability and wanting to win games. If you put Johnny Hill in the team ahead of Alan Wynne-Jones, you know, are they going to beat South Africa? I don't know. Like, we don't know because Alan Wynne-Jones plays a certain style that arguably would be good against South Africa. But I'm just talking about the romance of the game and the loyalties that lie with some players that don't lie with other players. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there's a part of me that I feel burnt by that situation. And it comes back to the Sexton point. You should have been a British and Irish line as well, Jim, I think. Mate, I, I, yeah, I, I hand on heart think I should have. <laughs> <laughs> How impressed have you guys been with France in this tournament? And looking at Antoine Dupont, is he the best half in the world at the moment? Best number nine? Behind Aaron Smith? Oh, oh there it is. There it is. Yeah, hands down, right now, Anton Dupont is the best nine in the world without a shadow of a doubt. Aaron Smith's obviously, you know, up there as probably number two. But, mate, Dupont has got shit that no other nine's got. He reads the game. He's explosiveness, his speed. He's so quick. So quick. His ability to snipe and just create something. You know, he's finishing off tries because he's running those nine cheat lines that are way in front of the ball. He's, everything he touches turns to, to gold at the minute and he's in the form of his life. He really is. And he does it week in, week out for France, for Toulouse. You know, he's a quality operator. Um, so no question he's the best nine in the world. They're so physical, France. That's why. And again, you'll know if you've played the game at any level that if you're forward on the front foot, it's a lot easier if you're nine and 10. But I think him and Intermac... Uh, a phenomenal combination but for me it's the physicality now of the, this French team and also their appetite to keep working how many times have you seen line breaks before and the French are just walking back with their hands in the air that seems yeah. to have gone I think the rumours that I'm hearing that that was still a tough thing for Sean Edwards when he went in there as defence coach was really trying to change that mindset of when things aren't going right that you've got to be able to front up and front up fucking energy fucking energy energy fucking T-bag, work it T-bag, yeah. Fucking smashing, get in line. Lean on, bar. And then you look at like Bernard LaRue, who ain't poo, playing in that team as well. The kind of physicality that he possesses with Gregory, who's Audrey as well, is something that, again, I, I, we've spoken about it on here before. Goody's watched a lot more of the top 14 than me. The, the names of these French players weren't, or probably still aren't really, rolling off the tongue. They've got some standout players in that team but just collectively, I just think they look they they, they look so good, and it, mate, I genuinely think that the next World Cup that France are going to be well in with a shout. This isn't just a flash in the pan for them either. You look at the age profile of the team, the squad. You look at Untermac. What about the chip and goo? Ridiculous. I'm just like, nah, nah. That's, oh, he's done it. Oh, he has. And then you create a try from it. It was just so, and he looks so laid back the way he's doing everything, doesn't he? He's got so much time on the ball. You think about Dan Carter in his heyday, 2005 British Lions tour. Everything he touched, he had so much time on the ball. And I used to look at it go, how has he got so much fucking time on the ball and looks so gracious with everything? Untermack is exactly the same as that at 10. He's just, he's a wizard. Absolutely brilliant player. And their age profile of the squad, they are here for years to come. Yeah, so I'm pumped for France. I wouldn't say I'll ever warm to Fabian Gautier, I'll be honest. You still don't like him, do you? Oh, mate. I'm telling you now, never, ever were Andy Robinson, Cowboy. But <laughs> under that, under that, mate, yeah, it's got to be Fabian. Well, speaking of France, Gertie caught up with former France fullback Scott Spedding, didn't you, for our Superfan subscription service at patreon.com recently? Yeah, I did. I used to play with Scotty at Breve. He's been through a hell of a journey, and it's a decent listen, actually, because he sticks the knife into the French Rugby Federation. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. I've got to ask you uh, about what happened towards the back end of your career. You weren't given GIF status, and at the end of your career, you actually took the LNR to the Supreme Court in France. How did that come about? Are you allowed to talk about it? Is there you know, still a massive frustration around that? So I was playing for France, and um, I'd never actually really 
entertained the thought. You know, I I understood I was a South African playing in France, and and uh, even though I was had the French passport, but you know, I was very privileged to be doing what I was doing. I'd never actually entertained the thought why I didn't have why could why couldn't I be counted in their quota system? You know, because they, they made it more and more difficult each year. I think in the year that. Uh, that it came about, it was in 2016, and you needed 17 GIF players in your match day 23. So it makes it very difficult for, 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 for foreign players to, you know, obviously got your, 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 your top players in there. And I was sort of at the back end of my career, so I was still playing for France, but, you know, clubs were interested, but they were very hesitant because I would be away with France for quite a few months of the year, but then uh, also didn't count as chief when I when I played for them. So it was becoming more and more difficult for me to find a club. And uh, my agent got in touch and said, look, he's spoken to an attorney who has helped a few guys get chief status. There were a few Georgians in Montpellier, I think, who was able to change their status. And they got, you know, and as soon as you get that status, I mean, your value, just the amount of what clubs are after you just sort of goes, it's and you can't compare. I was at, with the French at that time. They spoke to me, the the. the, the the big dogs at the federation and they said look we'll support you you follow the the process you know and when we can come in we'll come in and we'll we'll sort you out anyways we started uh, started down the process and it took sort of like a massive turn in the media like it was i couldn't get away from it and uh, ended up going to the olympic committee uh, and they voted in my favor said look it's not normal that this guy is not protected by the by the quota system under european law and they they said they suggested that they that I get given the GIF status, and um, so I was awarded it. And the the federation, who was part of me starting down this uh, procedure, had fourteen days to oppose it. And uh, so I thought, you know, that was that was a done deal. You know, I'd really spoken to these guys; they suggested I do it. During that fourteen days, I think I had every club in France give me a phone call. All the coaches, you know, listen, yeah, you come here. We heard you, you know. And on the 14th day, I got a phone call and was told that the Federation had uh, had opposed the decision. And that was that. And um, yeah, I took a toll on me. It was a long process, you know. I think the whole thing lasted like a year and a half. And uh, the media, the sort of media attention it got. And I ended up going to Supreme Court. And it was it was tough because the league obviously took it very... They, they had put a lot of pressure on anyone sort of who was supporting me, you know. And it's, very quickly, I had very few guys left by me. Even my agent had started distancing himself from me. And I remember we were out in the Supreme Court and I had uh, I just had my little attorney with me and and the league walked in with about eight or ten like absolute powerhouse legal team and uh, yeah we got we got blown away in the in the in the Supreme Court and the, but we were going to go to European Court after that where it's probably where I would have. Um, where I would have won, but uh, I was, I was just same thing. I was at the end of, I was, I'd had enough of it. I didn't want to take it any further and I just didn't want to involve any more people in it. And it was just dropped it and uh, cracked on. Eh? It also played a part in me just wanting to get out of rugby. I saw how political it was. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. There you go. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that. It's just a few quid a month for loads of extra interviews and features and we couldn't do all this without you. So a massive thank you to everyone who signed up for your support. Jim, you want to talk about Scotland? Yes, please. The, yeah, the big win should, in Cardiff. It should have at least been the second thing we spoke about. I don't mind chatting about England winning the Six Nations, but Scotland should have been second on the agenda, but they're not. But we'll leave it to the end. Told you. Told you, mate. Absolute classic. Loved it. <laughs> hey, what a game. <laughs> what a absolutely dull game of rugby. Mate, it's test, test match rugby, mate. You've got to win. That's it. Do you know what I thought? You know when Finn Russell went off injured? Uh, he goes off injured. I'm just sat there going, he don't want it today. He don't want it today. The weather looks shocking and it's a dour game and it's basically the battle of the wooden spoon, isn't it? Mate, no. It was the battle of the wooden spoon pretty much. Well, not the official wooden spoon because obviously Italy are winning that, but the wooden spoon, i.e. finishing fifth which Scotland generally win year on year. We went to Wales and won, mate. That's it. And that's all that matters. And now we can give Scotland crap or Goody can give Scotland crap. Let's go through it. France, Italy, Georgia, Wales. Mate, we are on a roll. Absolutely. <laughs> now let's let's get into it. Conditions were poor, Goody. Mate, they were. Uh, you can't get away from that. The line-out was a non-starter. I thought that Andrew Brace could have let the line-out go. He didn't. So we saw a load of scrums, which I don't mind as well, because we've got a good scrum at Scotland. But... Um, it was a much needed win for Scotland. Now, I don't know what's happened in this Welsh team. 
there's a lot of talk under Pivac and the direction that they're going, but, but they're in transition. And I fully expected Scotland to win. The score line, actually, I thought flattered Wales. So the breakdown defensively, um, Stuart Hogg mentioned it uh, on, on here a couple of weeks ago around, well, there was a couple of things that he spoke about, which I thought were very poignant. One was, forget talking about World Cups and winning Six Nations and Autumn Nations Cup, win test matches. I just said it before, France, Italy, Georgia, now Wales, Scotland are now winning test matches, whereas before they win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose 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 a game, lose, 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 wooden spoon. Now, they're not doing that, but the defence is a lot better. Uh, the breakdown, and again, I've spoken about Jamie Ritchie on here. It's easy to say, oh, you know, let's pick a Scotland player for the Lions tour. It's phenomenal at the breakdown. Like, who, how, could he, how could he not go on the Lions tour? Like, what he does every time he plays Test Match Rugby, phenomenal around the breakdown, line out, carrying ability. So now we've got some real quality. Finn goes off injured, which was not great with a, with a groin. We know that Adam's been playing 10. That's Finn's first start. Adam Hastings goes off as well. He was actually really good when he came on, but it looks like he's dislocated his shoulder. You know what that means? Donkey wear. wear. Donkey wear. You're in, mate. Don't get your lid out, mate. You're in. But um, we're proper now. And I put it on Twitter. I, I piggy, of course I did. I put everything at the weekend, just living my life through there. The, the family ain't happy. But I put there, the Lions put something about who's going. I've put at least 10 Scots. Oh, Driscoll's called me out. Did you see him? Yeah, it was brilliant, actually. Mate, what's he talking about? He's talking about the, the fact that Finn and Hoggy might go and uh, the kit man and the physio from from the Scotland team. And um, mate, he could be right. Jamie Ritchie said maybe he spoke his name wrong, but it's Brian O'Driscoll, mate. Whatever he says, I believe, I'll be honest. It's interesting. Like They are, as much as I get stuck into Jim a little bit about Scotland because it's good fun and banter, they are turned to a proper outfit now, aren't they? Yeah. You can see him competing. And the big one, you, know, you talk about this Autumn Nations Cup that's coming up. In Scotland's group, you're obviously playing France, Italy, and Fiji. If you beat France, you are proper, proper. Seven on the bounce. <laughs> are you backing yourselves to beat France? Because if you do that and you get to the final against England, you know, hell of a game. Now, you know more about the laws and the regulations and the Da Vinci Code that you've got to win crap, but apparently France might not be able to field a full team because they, they can only play a certain amount of games or something like that because of the, the, the top 14, the warm-up game against Wales. So, mate, they might face a French second-string team, whatever that looks like. It's probably still going to be phenomenal. But I'm telling you, mate, seven from seven or eight from eight, automate Nations Cup. There's a chance. <laughs> we're, going to, mate, we're going to do it. Scotland, we've done it. Mate, they've peaked at fourth. They've, they've, mate, they finished fourth. Finished it's like third, they won the fucking thing. Mate, it's like they won the fucking thing. It's like they won the fucking Grand Slam. Mate, we were humble. We were humble in victory. <laughs> no, of course I'm we joking. were. I'll tell you what was humble, though. I'll tell you what I did love. You talk about post-match celebrations. Did you see some of the pictures? The, my favourite one was Finn Russell with a pizza, bit of pizza in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it. Pizza, that's all I saw. Groin's hanging off the bone. He's got a beer and a pizza in his hand. Mate, couldn't give two shits. Obviously, he could have about his injury, but... Um, We've got Ollie Kebble now. I think he's an outside shot for the for the Lions just on his sheer size, and he's been brilliant when he's come on. We've got two really good hookers. We're thin in some areas. Do we have a big ball carrier when we come up against a South Africa, a New Zealand, you know, in England, year in, year out? But we're definitely getting better because there was talk last year of Gregor Townsend getting the second cockers coming in. So it's amazing how quickly it can turn around. For me, the big thing is, is the players are now being exposed to top-level rugby and winning things. Exeter, we've got two, three, four players down there. Obviously in the squad now with Hoggy and Johnny Gray, we've got two nailed-on starters for Scotland, winning Champions Cups, winning Premierships. The big thing will be, will be how many lads can get on the Lions Tour and get the experience of being coached by Warren Gatlin and being in an environment where you can win Arguably, and, and this is this is maybe a good debate, is winning a Lions tour in South Africa bigger than winning a World Cup? I don't know. No. Okay, well, Goody says no. Some people might say yes. I, you know, a test series in 97. I mean, who knows? But if Scotland players get an opportunity to be in that environment properly and someone like Jamie Ritchie is, gets an opportunity because he's the, one of the best back rows in the British and Irish leagues at the minute then who knows? Who knows where they can go? But Hoggy mentioned it, didn't he? Each test at a time. Mate, to be fair, for a Scotland player, it would be a bigger achievement to win and be an integral part of a British and Irish Lions tour because you've got no fucking chance of ever winning a World Cup. 
Well, we do, in 2015, if it was a two-step lob, we would have, mate, because we would have played Argentina. <laughs> we would have played Argentina in the semi and we would have poisoned the food of the New Zealanders and go. to win it. Let it go. Speaking of Scotland and the Lions, we caught up with legendary former Scotland and Lions coach Sir Ian McGeekin earlier. So let's hear what he had to say. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. They deserved it. Probably could have won a bit easier, but there's a good, good group of players coming through now and Gregor's um, got them, I think, in, in good shape and um, you could see the benefits of, I think, playing a warm-up game ahead of playing Wales, but um, they'll be pretty pleased with where they are at the moment. They won it by grinding it out the win. They had to keep possession in the last five minutes. It was a one-point game and I think in the past, the reason why Scotland haven't won away from home is that they actually haven't nailed games when they needed to when they could have done and I think there are times when you just have to grind out wins and I'd have to say 18 years ago wasn't the best game of rugby but actually the players managed to win it uh, and interestingly it was Steve Hansen that was coaching Wales at the time and I think you need to be able to do that and I think now with the game in Italy not losing momentum against France and then having to win a one-point game which is effective with 10 minutes to go is a big psychological barrier that they've come through. And that's winning away from home on a regular basis really starts to give you the opportunity to be in the top three. And I think it's been the away lack of results that have kept Scotland on the periphery rather than really in the meat of the competition, which, you know, this year I think they have. I thought, you know, they were unlucky to lose in Ireland and they could have beaten England. Um, It could have easily been a draw that game. So... There's a lot of real positives of how they've played without the ball, which I think will please Gregor as much as anything. I think collectively, it's a stronger group of players. You can almost look at all 15 positions now and you can put at least two names there. So as Scotland, you know, sometimes you're looking at a position, the worst thing you want as a coach is there's only one player that's obviously there and you're not sure about two or three others. Uh, and you're worried about him getting injured or the impact of an injury and and so on. So I think now by position, you can almost put two names, sometimes three. And that is a great position for, for Scotland to be in. And, you know, we saw at the weekend, unfortunately, Finn getting injured. Adam Hastings coming on and making an impact in a different way. But some of his ball carries, which was just needed in the conditions, were fantastic. So you haven't got two players the same, but you've got two players who offer different things, genuinely keeping the, the, the team playing. And then to end up with Stuart Hogg there, you know, by the end of the game, that having that flexibility is really strong. And, and um, when you can do that right through, uh, I think he's probably number eight and centre are probably the only two positions where I think he's, he's probably still looking at who his genuine number one is. Uh, but I think Sam Johnson will come back into it. But it's um, it's a good group of players. Uh, and it's as good as Scotland have been, I think, for a couple of decades almost. Uh, I think Stuart Hogg should go. Um, he's got his experience, albeit he had the injury from um, 2017. I think Finn Russell, I'd take Finn Russell, uh, just as I took Gregor in 97, because you need something different to put in front of South Africa. You always need to do the job, no doubt. You know, most players will tell you that the toughest game you will ever play in your life is South Africa in South Africa. So the pack needs to be able to um, to do that. Um, and I think there'll be lessons learned um, from what the England players experienced in the World Cup final uh, last year, but then you need backs who can turn that possession into real strike, collectively strong rugby. So I think, you know, Finn Russell, and I think up up front, I'm really impressed with Jamie Ritchie in the back row. He had another good game again at the weekend. You know, he's a line-out man and he's physical, he's a ball carrier, the sort of player you need against South Africa. Um, and I, I would say the front row, you know, the, the Scottish front row, they'll have to be talked about seriously. Sutherland has been outstanding because they're ball players as well. And then you've, you know, even in the second row, you've got, uh, 
you know, Gray, who's just got better and better uh, with Exeter. And I, my outsider would be um, Sam Johnson, I think, in the in the centre, who I who I do rate. South Africa is such a, a forward, respectful game or respected game in that way that I, you know, I would like the forward to to have the skipper and. You know, you go Paul O'Connell, Martin Johnson, the last two, Willie John when I played. I think if you can have your captain in the front five, then you're at the heart of what South African rugby is as well. Uh, and the one that stands out for me at the moment is Maro Itoji. I think he is a leader in the way he plays. He doesn't say an awful lot, but Martin Johnson didn't. You know, Martin Johnson led by example, and he was a clever rugby player. And um, I think Maro Itoji is the same. And I thought the 20 minutes of rugby he provided against Italy after half time at the weekend showed when he gets the bit between his teeth, when they knew they had to change the game and what they were doing, he was the one taking the lead in the way he played. And I think that's what you need in South Africa. And then you've got somebody who's on the pitch in the way he's playing, just pulling everybody else into the game. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. There you go, and you can hear more from Sir Ian at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. You talk about where Scotland could go, well, where have Wales gone? Into reverse. What do you mean it's Alan Wynne Jones' fault, Andy Ryan? Mate. Don't, mate, you can't <laughs> say that. The guy is an absolute hero. I don't know what people expected from this Welsh team now that are in transition. So let's look at the lay of the land. You've got your professional teams competing in the Pro 14. And they're not really, they've not really done much. Scarlets have been okay. Ospreys have been shocking. Cardiff have been okay in fits and starts. Dragons have been shocking, right? So this is me speaking completely frankly. They're not doing anything in Europe whatsoever. And you're now a team in transition. You look at the profile of some of their best players. Anscombe's been injured. You've got Dan Bigger playing in Northampton. So you're relying on 110, really, not being asked to Reese Patchell, who's been away. You've got Alan Wynne-Jones, who isn't in his prime. I don't really know what what people are expecting. I know why they're expecting it. It's because Wales have been so good. And if you speak to anyone who knows the game and spoke to Warren and having interviewed Warren and, and kind of read his book and looked a little bit into things, Wales have always overachieved. That's been the most impressive thing. Think about the World Cup. You're thinking there is no chance they are getting to the semi-final. They get to the semi-final. They nearly beat, they nearly beat South Africa with half a team. That, for me, was their peak. That's where they reached their peak. And unfortunately for Wayne Pivak and Stephen Jones and the coaching team there, mate, they're in transition now. That's ultimately what teams go through. You know, in, in Wayne Pivak's defence, I think when you're taking over from someone like Warren Gatland, who's been at the helm for, what was he there, 10 years as, as world head coach, and everything that was ingrained in those players of how Warren Ball was played and, and the strengths that they had... And they had limitations, but they knew how to get results and, and be damn effective. And then you take Sean Edwards out and then you bring some new voices in. You know, Wayne Pivak's got a different view of how the game should be played. There's going to be times where the the players and you know, we, we can all sit here and go, well, they should know because they're international players that are being coached by these coaches day in, day out. But then you've got behaviours that are ingrained in you of how you do things for the last 10 years under a certain coach. And Jim says it's transition. I do feel for them because there is a massive expectation, come what may, in Wales that you're competing. You're either trying to win the Six Nations, you're going for the Grand Slam. It's their passion. You know, it's like being an English footballer here. You know, we're, as football fans in England, you think that we should be the best in the world when we're clearly not. And so there's a different level of pressure on the Welsh team. Um, you know, all I'm thinking is some of those Welsh players are probably thinking, thank God there's no crowds at the minute because they would be getting pelters. In the, the atmosphere in the stadium would be bang average losing to a Scotland team. And the issue with Pivac is, you know, people are actually calling for his head already, aren't they? You know, you've got the defence coach, Byron Hayward. You know, you've got some massive shoes to fill in Gatlin and Sean Edwards. They are absolutely adored by the Welsh public for, and rightly so for what they achieved. But if you're the WRU... There ain't anyone else out there at the minute. Name someone out there that you can go, oh, we'll bring him in. It'll make a massive difference. So you have to back Pivak. He's been part of the furniture in Wales now, obviously through the Scarlets. Stephen Jones as well understands the game. These players have got to be able to develop. And, you know, isn't it mad? 
couple of months ago, six months ago, people were chatting about Gregor Townsend getting the sack, and now look how positive Jim is about Scotland. Well, they're right, talking about him for the Lions. And rightly so. It, that, that is sport. That's where we're at now. And Pivak, he'll get the opportunity, and maybe in the Autumn Nations Cup, he'll get the opportunity. You know, imagine if they beat England. You know, it's then a feather in the cap, and it's, oh, remember that doom and gloom? That's gone. But... The flip side of that, if, if you lose to Ireland, if you lose to England, and then they, imagine if they only squeak past Georgia like Scotland normally do, then there's huge pressure and question marks. But I think you just got to back him and, and, and allow him the time. There is a transition. There is a change of tactics on how they play and the players understand him. You know, they played some reasonable stuff, actually, against England in the Six Nations pre-lockdown. And let's not forget, we're coming off the back of a pandemic. So to jump down his throat now and go... Sack him, sack him. I, I think he's pretty crazy. I just want to leave with one thing on this note because I was at the Glasgow Leinster game. That's not, I don't know if I mentioned it. Leinster put a third team out and you look at the profile of that team and they were phenomenal. Glasgow had a really good team. And then you look at the Ireland team and you look at the players that they've got coming through. That is what you call a framework of succession in terms of sport. So they've got a framework that that, that works. That, that Leinster Academy, the school system, is phenomenal. And it goes back. And, and the, the, you asked me about Scotland, where can they go? Scotland don't have a, really have a framework like that. They're putting something in. I, I don't know enough about Welsh rugby. Hopefully someone can call me out on social media or YouTube or whatever and tell me, where is Wales's succession plan of these players coming through that can get to that level, not just playing rugby, of winning Grand Slams and World Cups. Because that's what it's about. That's now what people in Wales, the number one sport there, it's life. It's not even just sport. It's life to a lot of people there. Is where is that succession plan coming in Wales? The nominations for player of the tournament have been announced. Who are you guys picking? There's Anton Dupont, Roman Intermac, Gregory Aldrit, CJ Stander, Mario Toji, and Ben Youngs. I'm going straight for Jamie Ritchie. <laughs> um oh mate well, Gregory Aldrit has got three man of the match medals for the home victories for France Anton Dupont we spoke about him earlier Maratoji's been huge for England so oh, for me probably Dupont yeah I think Dupont will get it um Mara can't win anything else he can't but you can see him winning it because England won the Six Nations but I'm with Goody Dupont for me well, we'll get on to your feature in just a minute, Jim. But first, Budgie Smuggler are on board with us again this week to keep your weirder than weird fish stories coming in on social media uh, to be in with a chance to win a pair of limited edition rugby pod budgies. And they've gone and done something extra special this week. They've designed our very own rugby pod face masks, haven't they, boys? But a few lads are wearing them. There'll be some lads that don't want to be seen wearing them, or they do, but they won't tell us. And uh, our good mate Zach Holmes over in France, I saw him have my face on his cheek and your face next to my cheek. And Well, they're primed and ready to go. Just head to budgiesmuggleruk.com and you'll find them under accessories. And we'll share a link on our social media channels as well. The guys at Budgie Smuggler will be making a donation to our chosen charity for every mask sold. So that'll be going to the Matt Hampson Foundation. So it's a worthy cause and a big thanks to Budgie Smugglers for all their support. Make sure you go and check them out at budgiesmuggleruk.com. Right, Jimbo, it's your time, your favourite time of the week. It is, and we took a break last week. The vocal cords were sore from screaming, peelback! but they're back, as you just heard then. I mean, that was a great peelback. So it's the riddle. Um, you're going to say it, aren't you, Andy Rowe? Carol's away filming, but she will be back with us soon. So I've just done your line for you. How lovely did Carol look on TV last night? I didn't see it. I was at the Glasgow, I was at the Glasgow Leicester game. You're not seeing me. Yeah, no, I didn't. The Pride of Britain Awards. My missus looks at her and said, she looks stunning. Carol, we miss you. Did you say that when Carol comes on the podcast that your voice changes? Have you told your missus <laughs> no, that or not? I haven't, no. Okay, no. you haven't. No, no, don't. <laughs> what, what, Did you Andrew, tell your missus how sweetie you get? But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she knows. She knows. It's got nothing to do with Carol. It's got to do with the fact that I'm scared that this is going out to the millions and that I struggle with the riddle. And that brings me on to it, Andy Rowe. Riddle me this, lads. Riddle me that, Carol. Wherever you are, we do miss you. You were great on Pride of Britain. I didn't see it because I was commentating on Glasgow Leicester. You must have seen it. It's time for Jim or Solve It, lads. Back. Almost choked on the tonsil that I didn't have. <coughs> All right. First you eat me, then you get eaten. What am I? First you eat me, 
then you get eaten. What am I? Has this got something to do with me having my blood tests and the stool samples that I had to put in the pot that was literally, you've How never smelled anything like Mate, you've never <laughs> smelled anything like it in your life. Even worse than a, a nappy bin? Mate, I'm telling you now, doing that, well, it, it's worth it. It might come back. I might have worms or parasites, so it might be worth oh, it. Oh, jeez. First you eat me, then you get eaten. What am I? Is it like a, is it like a caterpillar or something that eats its own skin? So first you eat me, I eat you, the caterpillar eats his skin, then he turns into a butterfly, then he gets eaten by a bug. Is it a butterfly? It's not a butterfly. Great guess, though. Great guess at though, eh? Do you think of Johnny Sexton? Old. Great. Uh, but don't be horrible. Think of, what happened to jo- think of what happened to Johnny Sexton at the weekend. So he got taken off. It wasn't Ooh. his choice. Oh, oh. I take your clothes off. Right. You First you eat me. Is taking your clothes off got anything to do with it? No. Unless that's what you and Beck do. So what happened to Johnny Sexton? He got taken off. And how could you describe that? The right decision. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, Johnny, I'm joking. I don't think you should have been taken off for FYI. First you eat me. Why is Johnny Sexton? So he's he's taken off, he's walked off. Keep going. He's looked up at the camera. The process of Andy Farrell taking him off could be classified as shanking yanking getting there shanking yanking substituted keep going go back to shanking hanking yanked him off another pulled him off keep going took him off keep going embarrassed him no it's a lot of australians use it ah mate you got shanked keep going Yanked. Yanked, but... I don't know. When you're on Twitter, here's another one then. When you're on Twitter... Mentions. Right. And you Likes. You, you put something out there to... That could be a bit baity. Click. Fish. Ooh. Fish. Fish. Ooh, okay. Hooked, hooked, hooked. Oh, God. There we We're go. We're very close. We're really first, close. Close. first you eat me, then you eat me. First, hot, hot, first, hot. Hot, hot. A fishing no. rod... Fishing rod. Oh, Keep going. Oh, God. Fish, fish, What's on the hook, end of a fishing rod? Hook, yep. net, net. Oh, what do you, hook, what do you, hook, oh. hook, net, net, net. Go back. Fish net tights. <laughs> fish on the end of a hook and the end of a rod. End yeah, what's a, on the end? A, bait, a, bait. You've basically said it. We just maggot, need the words together. Maggots. <laughs> just, need, just need two words, Jim. Two words First that you, you said. Eat but you've separately. said the words. Hook net. <laughs> One of them's right there. Hook and net, not, net. And it's not net. It's not net. Hook. <laughs> Put a word in front me. of hook. What's on um, the end of a fishing line? Fish hook. Yeah! <laughs> fish hook! <laughs> First you eat me a fish hook, then you get, oh my goodness me. Oh God. Would you say that I solved it, lads? Because yes. I did enjoy that yeah, one. That yeah, might be it. my favourite one. No, thank you very much. And that is genuinely my favourite one, lads. Riddle me this, lads. Riddle me that, Carol, wherever you are. We miss you. I know you miss me. Come on, how good he speaks to you like this. Jim just solved it, lads. We'll get on to the good, the bad, and the ugly in just a second. But first of all, the Guinness Six Nations has finished, so we should find out on the Guinness Match Pipe Predictor uh, who has uh, won out of you and Goody. How'd you guys well, go? What do you mean? Well, mate, it's not it, even close. My fat fingers fucking did it again, didn't I? Tell me why. Tell me why you think you struggled. Well, I meant to press Scotland, but I pressed Wales to win. I meant to press France, but I pressed Ireland to win. So I just, yeah, it was just bad vibes. My fingers, I'm going to slim down and hopefully my fingers slim as well for the Autumn Nations Cup because the Guinness match point predictor is back for that. And I'll be pulling your pants down, Jim. But I'm very happy. Well, we'll see. It is game on. Just predict Scotland to win it. Then, then you might be near the top. No, I'm very happy. Very happy. Because I've, I've, so pro- I've, pr- I've proved myself wrong. So you should be, Jim. And I'm, I'm going to tip my slipper to you. Do it then. I'm going to mention you in the good as well for this because you finished 113th out of 4,500 people. That's phenomenal, mate. I, I, just say that again. You finished 113th out of 4,500 people. How good. I blow me mind sometimes. How good. Mate, I might, not, not, be great. I might not be great at a riddle, but I know me ruggers. 
Well, there's some good news for you, Goody, uh, because they are starting afresh now. A new tournament and new teams means a new table. All private leagues will be set back to zero and everyone gets to go again. Uh, we're going to be playing this right the way through December for the upcoming international games. To play, just download the Matchpoint app from all good app stores and predict the winner and margin of each game. Make sure you join our league using the code RugbyPod as well. All right, Goody, the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, good, plenty of good as ever in the world of rugby. And we're going to start off in Scotland. Uh, a first win away in Wales in the Six Nations since 2002. Uh, we'll go over to France now. And their best finish in the Six Nations since 2011. They get a mention in the good. Anton Dupont was just ridiculous. All Six Nations. Gregory Aldrit as well. Man of the match in all three home victories. So some massive performances from them. Where else should we go? Andy Rowe, we're going to go over to New Zealand. Yes. Because that was what... Well, not in New Zealand. Obviously, it was in Australia. They fully pulled the Aussies' pants down, didn't they? They did. It was lovely. Mate, it was like a training run for them. The biggest ever victory over the Aussies, New Zealand. They were phenomenal. Um, now we'll go over to Ireland and a little bit of Guinness Pro 14 action. Munster, Leinster and Ulster all won at the weekend. So they're all played 4-1-4. So pretty good from them. Um, let's give some players a mention, really, because some massive milestones at the weekend. Firstly, a couple of first caps. Ollie Lawrence, big shout out to him. Tom Dunn as well. Uh, that was pretty good to get your first cap and very emotional. A couple of other mentions for first caps. Johnny Hill, big fan of the show, big friend of the show. Uh, great to see him get his first cap. And also Ollie Thorley as well, the man that knows no other speed except top speed, 120% or whatever they call him. Uh, great to see him get his first cap as well. But Ben Young's 100 caps for England and a man of the match performance. And Kean Healy, 100 caps for Ireland. A phenomenal record for both players. We're not going to give it to Alan Wynne jones because they lost, but Alan Wynne jones does get a mention. Uh, a phenomenal effort to break the record for the most test caps ever, moving past the great Richie McCaw onto 149 test caps. Next weekend, I'm sure he'll get his 150th, so a massive achievement for Alan Wynne jones even though Jim's berated him earlier on. But the good this week can only go to one place. And it's the whole of England rugby. Not only did the men's team win the Six Nations title, but the women also won the Grand Slam. England are in a great place on both the men's team and the women's team. England rugby, you get the good this week. Uh, the bad. Uh, a few bits of bad, actually. Uh, we're going to start off over in France, as we always like to stick a bit of French in there. Agen lost 71-5 at Bordeaux at the weekend in the top 14. Who takes 70 points? Well, I'll tell you who. Saracens nearly did at the Rico Arena back in February for people that remember that game when they lost to Wasps. Um, but 71 points to five. That's an absolute shocker. Uh, what else was bad? Scarlets against Edinburgh. 6-3 victory for Edinburgh. Um, enough said on that. That was just a shocking game of rugby. The Ospreys, they're pretty bad. Losing away at Zebra after they, we thought they'd turned a corner. It was uh, not a great performance, so they'll be massively disappointed with that. Uh, what else was bad? We saw news this week come out that the 2020 and 2021 season has been canned for all level three and below rugby clubs. So as part of the rugby pod, we're thinking of you. We know around the local clubs and all up and down the country, you listen to the pod. We're thinking of you. It must be tough that all those leagues have been canned because of the coronavirus. So do whatever training you can do. And I'm sure we'll be back to normal for the following season when you'll love rugby even more than you do at the minute. Keep your skills up in the garden, boys and girls, because rugby will be back. But massively bad news for everyone that they've canned any rugby below level three for the 2020-2021 season. Um, what else was bad? The Wales-Scotland game. Jim ain't going to agree with me with that, but it was pretty dour. And Wales, you've lost five games on the spin now, so not great for Wayne Pivak. But that doesn't win the bad. There's only one place to go for the bad this week. And it's the Aussies. It's Australia. <laughs> <laughs> they've lost to... The All Blacks, it's their biggest ever defeat. They got their pants pulled down in Sydney. A shocking performance. The All Blacks were brilliant. The Aussies were bad. And that is why, Australia, you get the bad this week. The ugly. There's only one real bit of ugly for me this weekend. Johnny Hill's beard? And it's not Johnny Hill's beard. It is ugly still. I thought he'd get rid of it for his first cap. So it gets a mention. Of course it does. But the ugly this week goes to a certain commentator, Brian Moore. There's been uproar on Twitter. After his comments when Kean Healy was throwing up uh, and being sick, he joked about bulimia. Not good, Brian. You're working for the BBC. You shouldn't be joking about bulimia. Horrific form from Brian Moore. So you get the ugly this week. 
Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, I have. Uh, mine is to the Pasty Boys. Surprise, surprise. Have a look at them on Instagram. They do unbelievable pasties from Cornwall. Are you getting freebies out of this? No, no, no. Well, they have, they have sent me some, and it is delicious. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, for all you people out there, I'm happy to buy more because they are unbelievable. The weather is getting cold. We're going to be indoors for lockdown. You need some pasties. They send them frozen. They are unbelievable. Stick them in the oven for about half an hour. You'll be salivating. So, pasty boys, big shout out to you. The big listeners of the pod, and they do unbelievable pasties. And Jim, you've got a shout out, don't you? Yep. So, we've had a load come in. I say we, I, through the inboxes of Instagram and Twitter. People have sent me in some of the stuff they're doing for Movember. Quite inspirational. I've read all of them. I've replied to some of them, and we will be reading some of them out. So, Fraser McDonald Lister. Scottish, of course he is. So he's growing a mo in memory of his dad, um, who they lost suddenly when he was 16. So a big part of his recovery and management of his depression has been working with Movember. So he's now a five-year mo bro, and he's a part of that community and the workplace ambassador, and led the fundraising of some £70,000 for the charity. His dad was a Glaswegian, an avid Scotland fan, and some of his fondest memories were with him on trips to Murrayfield. So this year he will be lockdown permitting on the 7th of November. He'll be completing three consecutive Summit Nevis challenges alongside his mate, Fergus Crawley. So big shout out to you. Donald Murray himself and his brother, Gene Murray, they're doing Movember for Alzheimer's and dementia in the name of their granny who passed away this year. The Just Giving page is called Granny's Moustache. They'd love a shout out on the pod to bring awareness to the page and they've been avid listeners from the start. Donald, the dementia and Alzheimer's one's close to my heart as well. I lost my granddad earlier this year to dementia and my nan is currently going through that now. So the more awareness we can raise around that, the better. Good on you all, raising money, awareness for Movember, but whatever charity causes you doing it for. Some unbelievable people out there. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Leave us a review and check us out on YouTube as well. Rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod. (laughs) 